the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. We live in a dark world, and obviously a part of that dark world scenario is what Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 6 when he talks about the spiritual forces of evil in this dark world, that there's even demonic things, satanic things that are not visible to our eyes, but the working of the enemy in in satanic ways to influence and to tempt and, and to work his evil ways. So we live in a very dark world. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through John. If you've ever doubted the existence of Satan and evil, the world around us is making it harder and harder to deny. This last year alone, the pandemic has taken the building tension and division and caused them to explode into the riots and acts of violence and hatred we've been witnessing. As Pastor Gary continues to examine who Jesus is in today's message, he'll remind us that in this dark, fallen world, hope is not lost. Jesus is the light that can replace the darkness and rescue the lost from their oppression. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of John, chapter 8, as he continues his message, I am the light of the world. God is part of that invisible light spectrum that we talked about earlier. Some light is visible, other light is not. God is invisible. He is spirit. He is light. All of this sounds somewhat mystical and confusing, but here's the interesting news on all that. God decided to make his light visible, and so light was wrapped in flesh, and Jesus Christ became the visible image of God. This is what the Bible says in Colossians 1.15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, Colossians 1.15. And so Jesus shows up and he says, as part of his earthly ministry, I am the light of the world. And again, that's partly metaphorical and it's partly literal. But for the purpose of our study, we're going to be looking at this in the metaphorical sense because that's the context in which Jesus meant it. When he speaks here about how he is the light of the world, he's speaking metaphorically and he's drawing a contrast between light and darkness. And he's saying, in effect, that he has come to bring light into a morally dark world, that he is pure and holy and full of good, while the world is 
impure and unholy and full of evil. And so he steps into our world to save it. I mean, just think about how light and darkness is a common contrast that describes good versus evil and right versus wrong. Um, It's the difference between, we could say it in a different way, light and darkness, what is overt and what is covert. Things that are overt come out into the light. They, They are visible, they are vulnerable, they are transparent, it is, it is pure, that's, that's overt. Covert, on the other hand, is secretive. It's, it's under the cover of darkness, doesn't want to be detected. Um, it, it is, it is um, hidden. So that's overt versus covert. We, we know how in nature there are some overt animals and there are some covert animals. You know, the covert animals are the ones who come out at night, the nocturnal animals, the rats, the bats, the cats. You know it's true. And other nocturnal animals like like raccoons and opossums and skunks, all those little creepy creatures, they come out at night. Those are covert animals versus you have some overt animals who come out in the daylight, you know, the first little sign of dawn and the birds start chirping. The birds start tweeting because the birds come out. They're over. They come out into the light. Butterflies, butterflies, they come out into the light. They're like, oh, here we are. So beautiful. So radiant. You know, versus rats. You know, that's the difference between covert and overt. Listen, some of you have covert versus overt children. You know what I'm talking about. There are some overt kids who are quick to come clean. They come out into the light. The overt kids are the ones, you just start to ask the question. You just start to say, all right, kids, listen, who was the one who, and the overt kid will interrupt you. It was me. I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know the rest of the sentence, but I'm the one who, I'm probably the one who did it. So don't blame anybody else. I will take the blame. That's the overt kid. And you know, you have some of those. You just look at them. And as soon as you look at them cross, they confess, they come clean, they come out into the light. And then you have some covert kids. You know those kids, perhaps you were one, where you, you know, everything close to the vest, everything's secretive. I'm not going to tell you anything. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you see my cards, you know, just really secretive, in the dark, really hidden. You know, that's the kid where you're like, hey, what happened to the family cat? And that covert kid is like, I'm never going to say, you know, I have no idea what happened to the cat. (laughs) I mean, that's the covert kid, the covert kid. What happened to the cat, Johnny? I'm never going to tell you. It's going to be okay. You know, don't worry about it. That's the covert kid. The overt kid is going to come to Jesus quickly. The covert kid, you're going to have to pray there and pray hard. We all understand. So this is the kind of contrast that Jesus is talking about here, light and darkness, overt and covert. And in this contrast, he is going to explain who he is and why he came for us. Now, it's important always to understand in Scripture context. So Jesus speaks here in contrast. Let's understand the context. In John chapter 7, which leads in, obviously, to John chapter 8, where our story is, in John chapter 7, the Bible tells us it's the Feast of Tabernacles, or in Hebrew, it's called Sukkot. Sukkot means booths. 
And it's translated booths because it was during this time, the Feast of Tabernacles, when people would actually make little makeshift booths, little huts, little shelters in their backyard, and they would live in them, and they would have their meals in them. And here's the reason why. The Feast of Tabernacles was to commemorate the 40 years of the wilderness wanderings when God graciously provided for the Jewish people and protected them and sheltered them and uh, comforted them and supplied all their needs, okay? After the wilderness wanderings, they were to always remember that God took care of them through this feast of Sukkot or tabernacles. It was a seven-day feast in Israel. Interestingly, outside of Israel, it's an eight-day feast. And again, they would make these shelters out of sticks and branches. They would put it together in their backyard, and and then families would camp out during the Feast of Tabernacles as a reminder. God took care of us during the wilderness wanderings. God was faithful to us. God provided for us. That's the scene here in John 7 and in John 8. It is the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, Jewish literature tells us, we don't read it in the Bible, but Jewish literature tells us, tradition, that the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in biblical times they would light four large candelabras in the Temple Mount area. And it was, again, to remind the people as part of the Feast of Tabernacles. And you'll remember this from your Bibles. In the Old Testament, during the wilderness wanderings, God would protect the people by way of a cloud during the day to protect them from the heat of the sun and a pillar of fire at night. And it was his manifest presence among the Israelites. And so on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in biblical times, they would light these four big candelabras on the Temple Mount area to remind them that during those wilderness wanderings, God took care of them at night as a pillar of fire, that he was the light who illuminated them and took them from slavery to the promised land. So here's the scene. Understand this context. This is the backdrop from which Jesus in John 8 stands up, last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So he uses the Feast of Tabernacles in this ceremonial moment to communicate himself. And the people would have understood. What he's saying is that just as God illuminated your way, he's saying to the Jews, as God illuminated your way from slavery in Egypt to the promised land, so it is, Jesus is identifying with God here, I will illuminate your way from the slavery of sin to the promise of salvation. This is what he's saying to us. He's using this opportunity on the heels of the Feast of Tabernacles to say that I'm the greater light. Jesus is saying, I am the greater light than these candelabras. I am the light of the world. I am God, and I have come to illuminate your way from the slavery of sin to the promise of salvation. So he declares himself here, I am the light of the world. It's a wonderful picture. Of how Jesus came to deliver us from a world of darkness, to bring us into his wonderful light. This is what Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, when he reminds us, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful or marvelous light. This is what Jesus came to give us. Now, in order to understand the need for the light of the Lord, we have to also understand from Scripture 
the problem of darkness. And there are different places in the Bible that describes different kinds of darkness that affect all of us. Four quick things, and if you're taking notes, here's the first one. The Bible talks about a dark world, a dark world. Listen, we live in a morally dark world. Sin is rampant, and we see it all around us. Everything from sex trafficking to murder to abortion to adultery, theft, stealing, the neglect of the elderly and and the poor, all of these things and many, many more things are evident in our world. We live in a dark world. And obviously a part of that dark world scenario is what Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 6 when he talks about the spiritual forces of evil in this dark world, that there's even demonic things, satanic things that are not visible to our eyes, but the working of the enemy in, in satanic ways to influence and to tempt and, and to work his evil ways. So we live in a very dark world. Think about how most crime is committed under the cover of darkness. I mean, it's a bold and brash thing when criminals commit crime during the daylight. Most criminals commit it under the cover of darkness. Uh, I'm, you know, all of us have been kind of sequestered, obviously, and um, uh, a friend of mine called me the other day, and he said, um, did I interrupt your Netflix? Uh, well, no. Uh, and then he made a joke. He said, yeah, I finished Netflix. <laughs> like he's watched everything. It was just a joke. But one of the things that I like to watch, I hate to admit, is like Dateline Mysteries and Forensic Files. Okay? Pray for me. But I can tell you, on almost every episode, like 9 out of 10 or 8 out of 10, I exaggerate maybe a little bit, but a lot, there's, there's a lot of times some young lady who leaves a bar at 2 o'clock in the morning and then ends up dead, and they're trying to solve the mystery. And I always want to scream at the TV and like, hey, if young ladies wouldn't go to bars by themselves and leave at 2 o'clock in the morning, maybe, maybe harm wouldn't come to them. You know, it's just, it's mind-boggling the things that happen under the cover of darkness, the terrible, wicked, sinful things. So please, don't do stupid things in the dark. Like, you know, just look out for yourselves and for each other, because criminals work in the dark, the enemy works in the dark, the world is dark. Here's what Jesus said in John three nineteen to 21. He said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Now listen to that part Again, where Jesus talks about, you know, a lot of people love darkness. They don't want to come into the light. They like what they're doing. Do you? Let me illustrate it this way. I'm sure you've gone into like a movie theater, probably not recently, but when you go into a movie theater and after a couple hours you come out into the light and like you have to squint because it's overwhelming, you know why you have to do that? Because your eyes adjusted to the darkness while you were in the movie theater. Can I just say to you, and this might be for somebody who's watching in particular today, don't let your eyes adjust to the darkness. Don't get used to the darkness. We are called to be children of the light, to walk in the light. Don't adjust to the darkness. In 1 John 1, 7, it says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us 
from all sin. Number two, we're also warned in the Bible about dark hearts. While it is easy to identify different sins in the world that I just described, all the wickedness and things that happen in the world, it's not as easy sometimes to identify the sins of our own heart. A lot of times we are blind to the sins of our own heart. We don't see them as clearly as we see the sins in the world around us. A lot of times we think bad sins are are, uh, performed by bad people, but we don't often include ourselves in the equation. We have to be aware of the fact that we have bad hearts that are in need of the light of Jesus Christ to illuminate our dark hearts. In Romans one twenty one, it says, Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and were foolish in their hearts, and they were darkened in their hearts. So we have to be conscious of this. There are dark hearts. There's a dark world. Number three, the Bible also warns us about dark deeds. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 8 through 11, it says, For you were once darkness. That's before you became a Christian. You were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them. Let me tell you something that is, this is such a biblical truth here. This is important for all of us to understand. When there is secret sin, you're in bondage to that. But when you are vulnerable enough to confess it to God, he already knows it. You're not going to shock him, right? But when you're vulnerable and honest enough to confess it to God, to bring it into the light, and here's even something more vulnerable, when you are willing to confide it in a trusted friend who you know will keep your confidence, When you bring into the light secret sin, it's amazing how the power of that sin no longer has a stronghold on you. Because when you confess it and bring it into the light, that's why he says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Bring them into the light and let the Lord help you. But when you keep it private and hidden, covert, it has more power over you. Sin kept in darkness brings bondage, but sin brought into the light, brings freedom. Number four, the Bible also reminds us about dark minds. In 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 6, it says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, small g, talking about Satan, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. In other words, Paul's saying there, there's a delusion that Satan brings upon the minds of people to keep them in darkness. But the next verse, verse 6 there of 2 Corinthians 4, says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In other words, the same God who commanded let there be light is the same God who will bring light to the minds of people walking in darkness. So pray for people who are darkened in their minds and in their understanding and ask the Lord to help them. Real quickly, two final things that are important to understand. The whole reason here why Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world, for two purposes in our lives. Number one, it's really what we've been talking about, it's to rescue us, to rescue us. This is our theme verse in John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's come into the world 
to illuminate a dark world, our dark minds, our dark hearts, to bring us to the place of salvation. Follow him. He says, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Now listen, the command is to follow him. This is not about doing life and hoping Jesus will follow you through it. This is about surrendering your life to Jesus and following him. If we follow him, we will have his light and not walk in darkness. He's come to have relationship with us, to have fellowship with us to rescue us from our dark minds, our dark hearts, and eventually this dark world. Now, Jesus says in John 12, 46, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Do you have the light of the Lord? But now here's an interesting thing that Jesus does in bringing us to the place of salvation, relationship with him, and then he turns the table because the second thing is important to understand too. He repurposes us. He repurposes us. Once we are his, once we come into relationship with him, he flips the table on us. Listen to me on this. This is really fascinating. He flips the table on us and he says, now, now that you are in relationship with me, now that you're walking in light, okay, I want you to be the light of the world. Matthew 5, verse 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now, some of you are thinking, hold on, Pastor G, you just spent the last half hour telling us how Jesus is the light of the world. He is. But this is the only one of the seven I am statements, the metaphor that Jesus flips on us. He doesn't turn anywhere in the scriptures and say, you're the bread of life. He doesn't say you were the door for the sheep. He doesn't say you're the way, the truth, the life. You're the resurrection. But this is the one that he flips and he says, now, now that you've come into the light, I want you to be the light of the world. In other words, Jesus repurposes our lives and calls us to be a reflection of him in this world. He wants us to represent him in this world. He wants us to shine his light in this world. Think of it like this. Think of us as we're like the moon and Jesus is like the sun, S-U-N, okay? The moon is not a light source by itself, but it reflects the light of the sun. This is what Jesus calls us to. We are called as believers to reflect the light of the sun, S-O-N, Jesus, so that others will see him through us. And this is Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So God rescues us, and then he repurposes us to be his light in a dark world. That's our commission now. We are his ambassadors. So once you receive his light, now reflect it and be an example of Jesus Christ in your world. Jesus said again, I am the light of the world. He who comes to me will not walk in darkness. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Walk in that light, friends, and be an example of Jesus in your world.
Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been teaching about Jesus, defining who exactly He is and why He's so important to you. Jesus is the I Am, and He can change your life. If you have any questions or would like to share a prayer request with us, please contact us. You can reach us by calling 703-771-1500. You can also listen to more teachings in this series by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or just download our mobile app. That way you'll have biblical messages available to listen to whenever you want, wherever you are. We encourage you to continue reading about Jesus yourself as well. You can find Him in every book of the Bible, but we'd be happy to help point you towards specific scripture pertaining to His life and ministry. Just ask when you call. Again, our number is 703-771-1500. We'd love to meet you too. You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg. We're meeting in person as well as online, and you can find all the information you need on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in for this Jesus is the I Am series. And we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go But still you know